you have your Bible, go with me to Judges. Pick it up in Judges chapter 6. Have an opportunity and a privilege to look at the life of Gideon. An opportunity and a privilege to watch God do amazing things through the life of Gideon. An opportunity to see God speak to Gideon. And now you're going to get a chance to see what God will do with Gideon. And God will get all the honor and all the glory. And as I look at the life of Gideon, I look at the concept of a mighty warrior in the making. He didn't start out that way. What will be neat is you're going to get a chance to see from where he started at the threshing floor to an amazing victory. A victory that only one person will get the credit. His name is God. Gideon was the opportunity and the voice and the person that God used in that process. But God made the odds in such a way that there would be no other opportunity for anyone to get any honor or any of the credit than God himself. It's, e- it's amazing to me to watch this. Last week I shared with you that we're going to be talking about, this morning, about taking out the trash. And I want to show that to you this morning. I want to show you in, in, in Judges uh, chapter 6, you have your Bible, uh, pick it up in verse 17. Gideon replied, if now that I am found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring an offering, and I'll set it before you. And the Lord said to him, I will wait till you return. Gideon wants to see a sign. I have no idea what the time frame was, how quick it was for Gideon to go find. If you jump over in verse 20, uh, the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place it on a rock and pour all the broth on it. And Gideon did as he said. I I have no idea how long this took, the process. There was no microwaves back then. So Gideon's going to be gone for a little while. He's going to go make an offering. He's going to bring it back and he's going to ask God, God, you give me a sign. You show me something, God. And so Gideon goes and does the work. The angel of the Lord waits there. And then this is what happens. With the tip of the staff in verse 21 that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized this is the angel of the Lord, our sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel face to face. Now, when was the last time that you ever built a fire and when you struck the match, everything that was there was consumed? See, there was no propane back then. There was just a rock. And the angel of the Lord and Gideon. And Gideon says, hey, I want a sign, God. I want a sign that I've got favor on you. Okay, Gideon, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign that you can't explain. How many times did Gideon go back, I wonder, and look at that rock and see how in the world this happened? See, from a rock, God sent fire and it consumed everything. Now, would have you been in awe? I would have been in awe. I love fire. I love the smell of smoke. I love to watch it burn. But I've never seen a fire like this fire. And you know what's so amazing to me is, is that God showed Gideon a sign. You know what Gideon did? He lived differently. Watch what happens. He says this. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there 
And he called it, the Lord is, what? Peace. The Lord is peace. Is there any peace in Gideon's life? No. God said, hey, I got a job for you. I want you to take out the Midianites. How many are the Midianites? We're going to get a chance to see as we read farther. It's almost like the grains of sand. Too many to count. God, you want me to do what? Yeah, I want you to go. I want you to go over there and I want to show you victory. Isn't it amazing? As I think about the life of Gideon this morning. That God has allowed all this circumstance, all of this turmoil to bring him to a point where he's going to build an altar. He could have named that altar a lot of different things. But what does he name it? Peace. The Lord is peace. Wow. It's fascinating to me. Then look what happens. Verse 25. Then that same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Azurite pool beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of the, the, this height, using the wood of the Azurite pool, and cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. You want me to do what? You want me to go to my dad's altar, and you want me to do what? Tear it down. And then what do you want me to do? You want me to take my dad's bull and then offer that on that offer, offer that on that altar as a sacrifice? Do you see any second guessing in this passage of scripture? Do you see any wait a minute, hold on, time out, God? Hey, that's my dad's altar. Yeah, get in. I want you to go where the trash is, in your dad's backyard or wherever it is, the altar that your daddy built. You offer the sacrifice there, young man. You know what's fascinating is? It's not just Gideon. There's ten other people. And even though he's afraid, because you know, if you know the story, you know that he's going to do it at nighttime so that nobody else will see. So he tears down the altar. And you know what's always interesting is? When sin gets taken out and trash gets taken out, do you know what happens? People get angry. Probably forgot that about this story, didn't you? And in the morning, verse 28, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with Azrael bull beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on this newly built altar. Then they asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the Lord then decided, the men of the town decided to have an, a prayer meeting. The men of the town decide, you know what, say, you know what, God, there's something in our backyard that's wrong. God, we're worshiping a foreign God. We're going to fall on our face and we're going to worship you. No, that's not what happens. They're angry at Gideon. You know what they want to do? They want to kill him. So he goes from the wine press, afraid, to now he's saying, hey, my life's on the line. They're going to take me out. Hey, God, you didn't tell me about this. God, you didn't tell me anybody was going to get mad at me. Then what happens? His dad in verse 31 says this. But Joash replied in the hostile crowd around him. Are you trying to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. 
if Baal is really a god, he can defend himself when someone else breaks down his altar. Read over that too fast. Sometimes your children and your grandchildren can be great wake-up calls for you spiritually. Out of the mouths of babes sometimes comes the greatest conviction. And I don't know what's going to happen in Baal's dad's life. I don't know. I mean, uh, in Gideon's father's life. I don't know. But it's interesting. He said, you know what? Let Baal fight for himself. You let him take care of Gideon. No mention of the other nine guys. They got off clean, didn't they? Just Gideon. Look at verse 36. It said, Gideon said to God, If you will save me by Israel's hand, as you... Wait, I'm sorry, I went too far. Look at 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summing, summing, and his angels, they sent messengers throughout Messiah, calling to them. So now... He's not, is he just, not just this guy at the threshing floor. Now he picks up a trumpet. He's going to send out messengers. God came upon Gideon. Something's going to change. What has changed in Gideon? The inside of Gideon has changed. There's something going on inside. Saying, God, if you're with me, God, I'll call out on the armies. I'll just make a plan. I'll blow the trumpet, God. I'll send out messengers. Let's do this. Let's go there. Let's battle, God. I'll follow you. So amazing to me is, is you see a total life change in the life of Gideon. The Holy Spirit has come upon Gideon. And now you get to the part of Gideon that most of you already know. Chapter 7. I love war movies. This is a cool one. Somebody needs to do a movie on this. And just so you know, I won't read this, but dads, if you want to read, or men of the church like some, some kind of cool stuff, read on later on to chapter 8 and verse 16 and see what happens. Watch what God uses Gideon. Why are you all turning? I said later on. <laughs> wow. Chapter 7. Go back to uh, 636. Gideon said to God, If you have saved Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wolf fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece, all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hands as you said. The fleece, first one. It's a wolf fleece on the threshing floor. God, if you're really with me, Put dew on all that fleece. Nothing else. Only the fleece alone. Everything else needs to be around it, needs to be dry ground. Then I'll know, God. Next morning, Gideon wakes up. What's he do? He squeezes the fleece. Then Gideon said in verse uh, 39, Do it not anger me. Lord, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with this fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered in dew. The night God did so, only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. How many of you ever sent out fleeces before? They say, hey God, if you do this, I'll do this. Hey God, if you do this, I'll do this. Here it is, just need opportunity. Open heart, young man, 
saying, God, if you're really with me, just show me, God. Chapter 7, God says, all right, early in the morning, the camp of Midian was north of them. They said, the valley of the hill of the Moran. Then the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that are about her strength and who saved her. So we're going to start out here real quick. You got 32,000 people. Read on, you'll, you'll find out if anyone's afraid, they can go home. 22,000 people leave. Okay? Now we're down to 10,000. God said, you know what, Gideon? That's too many. I'm going to bring your army down to 300. Pick it up in chapter 7, verse 7. Then the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that, I've, that have lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to the tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give them into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, to attack go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack. So he and his servant went down to the outpost of the camp. Many nights, the Malachite. And all the other eastern peoples were settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels no more could be counted than the sand of the seashore. Hey, Gideon, you go down there and listen. You go down and scout it out, Gideon. Go listen. Listen is what he finds out. Gideon arrived just as one is telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he said. I've, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend replied, This can be nothing other than the sword of who? Gideon. Now Gideon's over here thinking, Hey God, if you really want me to do this, give me a sign. Hey, God, if you really want me to do this, here's a couple fleeces. I'm going to throw it out there, God, because I don't know. Hey, Gideon, gather your army down to 300 men against it in a valley where there's camels that cannot be numbered. You go down there and win. (laughs) Can you believe this? Is this a coincidence? Is this just an old story? No, it's true. God's going to win. And he's going to win to show you his power. And he's wanted to show Gideon his power. And he wanted to show the nation of Israel his power. That's why he won. That's why it's in the word of God. It's for us today. Verse 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hand of all of them. With torches inside. Anybody went to war with a trumpet before? <laughs> this is the other thing I think is fascinating. Verse 17. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. It's dark. How are they going to see him? There's no, there's no two-way radios in their ears. 
It's okay now. Do this. Move here. Move there. No flashlights. No night vision goggles. Let's move around over here. No, let's scan out over here. No, no. Just watch me. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who blow the trumpets, then all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and, your, and for Gideon. Gideon and 100 men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew the trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hand, holding in their right hand the trumpet which they were blowing. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their Three hundred men around an army that they can't even count the camels with trumpets and torches. See, there's nobody going to walk away from this victory and say you're going to go hire Gideon and say, hey, "Gideon, could you give us a new strategic plan for battle?" Everybody knew when they walked away from this battle, there's only one person that provided the victory. Who was it? It was God. He's the one that moved. You know what I find very interesting? He moved in Gideon's life first before he moved in the nation. Interesting to me. He moved for you. He moved so that you could go back on something that we call the Old Testament in the Word of God and say, hey, that's my God. That is the power of your God. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? That power lives in you. If there's a time in your life that you say, you know what, Jesus? I need forgiveness of my sins, and I'm going to accept the free gift of salvation for me. Guess who's living inside of you? The same power of the God that was around that whole army and said, guess what? I'll win. I'll move. I want this whole world to know and the nation of Israel to know the power of their God. Camels that outnumber the grains of sand are in that valley. Men are in that valley. There was no nuclear bomb. There was no AR-15. There was no AK-20, whatever army you want. There's none of that stuff. There's no sniper rifles. Who fights each other? They fight each other with their sword for God's plan and God's power so you can see it. Ever ask yourself this question? What's God doing among you? I ask myself this question God, what trash do you want to take out this week? God, where's the idol of my life? God, where's the idol in our lives? 
God, where would you let it just slip in the back door and say, hey, well, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. I know what's going to happen. If something starts to change in your life, you know what? People are going to start saying things to you. What's wrong with you? Are you that goody two-shoes Christians now? Why are you acting like that? You never used to do that before. Why am I acting the way I'm acting? Because the power of God lives inside me. Make it a little bit more practical. You ask yourself this question this week. God, I want it to be hard for somebody in Highland County to go to hell. Do you? And I do. I want to be in a community that has a passion for people. You know why? Because this God is inside of me. The God that killed all these people, that moved in amazing ways to an individual that none of you would have chosen. His name was Gideon. He was in the threshing floor. He was hiding. He was saying, God, you can't use me. God, I'm not part of the right family. God, I don't have it all together. God changed him from the inside. God moved in his life. This morning we're going to spend some time and do communion. To me, I don't know if there's been a more exciting time for communion to think about the power of my God and His death on the cross for me. And now for me to have an opportunity to say, God, thank you. I've been reminded this week that I'm on the winning team. doing my devotions and in the life of Daniel. Reading through Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar builds this, this tower, this idol. And I was trying to figure out the time frame when Daniel interpreted a dream and when now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be thrown into the fiery furnace. It's somewhere around 20 years, I'm guessing, as I work through my time schedule. 20, 22 years. So I've been thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many years did they have to, to watch this thing be built? How many years was Nebuchadnezzar going around saying, Hey guys, I want to build this big old altar. Hey God, I want to build this, this image. And when we get it all built, they're going to blow the trumpets and I'm going to ask everybody to bow down and worship me. And if you don't, guess what? On the side, I'm building this big furnace. You ever thought how big the furnace was for three people to be walking around inside of it? You ever wonder how hard it was to heat that furnace? How long did it take to get that joker hot? There's no propane. There's no diesel fuel. There's no gasoline. Just throw gas on it. No, there's none of that. How many years did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to look at that image and look at the fiery furnace and say, guess what? What are we going to do? Will we bow down? I want to say, no, that God that we know, he's living inside of me. And even if I have to die, 
I'm not bowing down. What about you? It's Sunday. We come here every week. You sit in your normal seats every week. But I want to remind you this Sunday that we serve an all-powerful God. Guess what? He's not dead. And guess what? He has a passion for the people that live in our community. You know what? He's commissioned you and me to be a missionary to our community. I want every person to know the power of God. I want every person to know when they face cancer, they have hope. That they have a relationship with God, with Jesus. The Holy Spirit can comfort them in the middle of the night. You to know this morning, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this communion table is available to you. I want to just read some things to you this morning. Psalm 139. O Lord, you search me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. For a word is on my tongue. You, you know it completely, O Lord. You hand me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, and the darkness that is light to you. For you created my innermost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of your earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts of God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Wow. Isaiah 40. Even youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strengths. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you not grow weary and lose heart. The guys are in the back. Would you please come forward? We get ready to celebrate communion.